All right, here we are. It is time for Common Sense Ohio, July 28, 2023. That, uh, you know, you get towards the end of July and the summer's already over. The kids are thinking, all right, if you're playing football, it's about time for that hot August 1 start date where, uh, you know, you got the conditioning and the two-a-days. And uh, it brings back memories, Norm. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was like something you dreaded all summer, but if you were smart, you started, you know, right away running and getting in shape for it. I used to actually wear my helmet and run starting uh, first day of summer. I'd run every morning and put my helmet on, and everybody thought I was crazy. But then come come August, I didn't have to get used to it. Yeah, I did the same thing. Uh, I wanted so bad to make varsity football. I was running 17 miles a day. Wow. Well, that's a way to make sure you don't make varsity football because you get hurt. Well, what they wanted, (laughs) what they ended up doing was saying I should run, um, I should run track or cross country. That's what I thought you were going to say. If you're doing 17, why are you going to get beat up in football? (laughs) What are you, you, uh, foolish, foolish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, enough football talk, enough uh, preseason conditioning talk. It is Common Sense Ohio seven twenty eight twenty three. There's lots to talk about, lots to make sense of. And, you know, coming on the heels of our special guest last week, I got a couple ideas for some more guests, guys. We'll have to, we'll have to see. I think uh, maybe a debate amongst candidates would be interesting. He was a great guest. Yeah. Really, really impressive guy. Yeah, he was. Um, and, and, you know, took all of our questions to heart. And, and just so everybody knows, you know, we, we tell everybody at the beginning – um, hey, look, we'll give you the same uh, instructions we give everybody or the same comments we give everybody, which is, look, if you don't want us to cover something, uh, let us know. Or if you get done with this and you think you guys are a bunch of a-holes, uh, then uh, we can, you know, we don't have to publish it. And he just said, ask me whatever you want. I got no filter. I got nothing I'm worried about. You know, you can uh, you know, cover any topics. And, and that's what we did. I, I had no plan for that, Norm. I, I, you probably did, but... I just thought, well, I'm going to ask him whatever comes to mind as we go along. Well, it certainly wasn't a love fest. Yeah, no. I mean, right, I mean yeah. it wasn't. I mean, we asked what we wanted to ask, and he was there, so it was great. And then he had headed down to some county fair. So he, he, where was, He's in a Ross County Fair. <laughs> yeah, think, yeah, yeah, down exactly. in Chile. Yeah, um, it was great. He, um, he failed to take my uh, my uh, election advice, uh, which is, it, it. listen, if you're going to run for for uh, statewide office in Ohio, you got to spend at least one night at the state fair in one of those animal barns, like <laughs> Governor Rhodes always did. And uh, I, you know, you could tell Bernie if that was just a bridge too far for him. <laughs> yeah, well, he hasn't done it yet, or he wasn't prepared mentally right, <laughs> for that. Right. Yeah, true. Right. Well, <laughs> anyway, so uh, that's in the past. If you happen to be a candidate and you happen to be listening to Common Sense Ohio like everybody else does, then uh, certainly give us a shout. We'd love to hear your thoughts and what you can do for the country and the state and the city or whatever you're running for. We're happy to uh, to uh, at least hear you out because that's what we do here. We don't squelch speech. We don't um, uh, try to influence what people say. You know, we take it on. And if we don't agree and it doesn't make common sense, we'll push back. But we'll do it in a friendly, academic way. We won't uh, scream name at you, names at you. So anyway, look us up at commonsenseohioshow.com if you want to do that. Other than that, without further ado, Norm, uh, why don't we hit it? I know there's lots to talk about. Uh, yeah, there is. So there's a bunch. Um, I just, Steve, I just want to bounce off something you just said. Um, recently, I heard... Uh, that that great inaugural speech 
by John F. Kennedy. And the reason I, I, I was listening to it was uh, RFK's Jr.'s testi- testimony uh, about uh, censorship. Yep. And uh, I don't know why, but JFK's speech came to mind. And he said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And we have come so far from that mindset now that with our entitlement society, that it just it rocked me back on my heels and i just thought man what what gigantic change has happened in the last 65 70 years to americans in general american citizens thinking now that over 50 percent of americans get some kind of monthly check whether it's social security or some other benefit that we really have changed our psychology. We're far more socialist uh, in terms of uh, our government than Democrats like JFK ever conceived. And yeah, it but just they, they planted, blew me away. It, it, the problem, though, is they planted the seeds for this. You know, this is the old LBJ, Great Society. You know, this, they're... FDR. Well, see, go, you're correct. Go back to FDR. But then LBJ sort of when he was he and a lot of people don't know this, but LBJ was a, a henchman for FDR. You know, he was uh, uh, he was one of the right hand guys. And he when he got elected, he thought, all right, this is my opportunity. And Norm, you know, you and I have read that book. Um, yeah. And, you know, they talked a lot about sort of how this all occurred. And, you know, the notion that we can engineer a society by government entitlements and government giving uh and fixing poverty forever uh is so philosophically illogical uh when it plays out you know it just can't work Mm -hmm. it it cannot work uh it it, it just uh and so those guys even though kennedy was preaching that 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 song and and i get it was lbj it was after kennedy that this really took root but right you know the seeds were planted back then and now the problem is the roots have grown sort of sideways to the point where it's really hard to undo. I mean, what do you do at this point? You almost have to have a complete, utter collapse and a start over of right. those uh, entitlement systems. And nobody wants to talk about it. Trump's not talking about it. Uh, nobody's talking about getting rid of or, or doing anything uh, to uh, to fix it and because it's just politically taboo to do it. But yeah, well, know, we're going and, bankrupt. And, yeah, and, and, uh, and now... <laughs> That's a good that's a good way to set up uh, some analysis of this month's Ohio budget bill. The biennial budget bill had just a ton of massive changes for the citizens of Ohio bundled into that. It was twelve hundred pages. It is a biennial biennial budget of eighty six billion. So that's forty three billion dollars the state will spend per year. Uh, for the next two years. And what is in there is truly revolutionary in terms of restructuring a lot of state government. Uh, There's a lot of pork in there. Uh, There are some great tax cuts in there, so it's a mixed bag. But um, we should bang through that a little bit uh, coming off uh, that discussion we just had. Um, If you guys don't mind, I'll just go through them, uh, and, and then I'll, I'll 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 go through one topic, and then we can discuss it, and then we can keep going. I've got about eight bullet points on the budget, and all of them are are, re- are really uh, gigantic, including some, some vetoed items that uh, Dewine uh, that came 
to him in the budget bill, and he has line item veto power, and he vetoed some big stuff. So the first one I think that we should talk about is he took away the budget bill, and DeWine, this is something DeWine wanted, he took away education policy for the state of Ohio from the half-elected, half-appointed State Board of Education. They are now, by virtue of this budget bill, only going to retain power over teacher licensing and district borders, uh, educational school district borders, uh, and disputes over those borders. Other than that, all you know, books, uh, syllabus, uh, training, everything to do with education will now reside with a cabinet level czar of education in a in a uh a restructured ohio department of education and workforce and um they 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 gave a billion dollar increase for public schools uh public school funding as part of this so there was a you know if you will a carrot and a stick but um it's remarkable that now the governor will control educational policy rather than a a partially elected state board. So that's a big one. How has a czar ever worked in our history? Look, it has, it, it, you know, right. and that, that concept of a drug czar, uh, you know, agricultural czar. I don't recall that ever being a successful formula. It, 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 for so many reasons, it's it's just ill fated. I mean, we've got. I mean, look at it this way. This is what I, when I argue with socialists, I always make this argument. And um, I'm sure there's somebody who's got better arguments and maybe somebody can even refute it. But I always go, it's like, all right, I get it. Your candidate, I'll just give you this. Your candidate is going to be awesome. Your candidate is going to be the best equipped. The, I mean, this person is a superhero. Guy or gal, I don't care. This person's a superhero. Can implement all of this. Can can engineer the economy. Can make all decisions on what the best education is. Can can do all of this. But what about when that person is is gone? Like, who's going to take that place next? Um, and the, you know, it, and obviously, I'm not giving them that their candidate is able to do those things. But even if you could assume the best case scenario about the person, the horse they're backing. Uh, the, the fact is the next person's not going to be able to do it. Uh, you know, that's like a superhuman job. And I think that's what you're getting at, Brett. It's yeah. like, when has one person ever been able to do all this? And, you know, it's like the old, um, what was the, uh, Howie Mandel show? Um, you want to make a, a millionaire show? Uh, yeah. Um, I know what you mean though. Yeah. But you got three yeah. lifelines. Right. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, and the one that seemed to be almost always right was when you, when you asked the audience, when you, when you took a poll of like the yeah. collective, like what, like what does everybody know? And, and I'm not arguing for a majority rule or something like that, but you know, when you, when you tap into human potential uh, of the individual, it is amazing what happens. And then if you, if you scale that to the local level, like wouldn't they know how to educate their own kids? Wouldn't they know what's yeah. best for their, their, their local economy? I mean, it's not some jackass sitting in Columbus, Ohio, uh, that's dictating what should happen down in Portsmouth or even smaller uh, town. Um, and it's certainly not some jackass in DC dictating what's going to happen across the country. I mean, it, it's, it's lunacy. I mean, in, in history, think of like the, like normal would be like the greatest Roman emperor, um, say a Caesar, uh, or, yeah. you know, well, he's a good example. <laughs> and, and it lasted for him. 
yeah, yeah. Julius. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. But everybody, you know, and he got killed. So, but everybody, uh, you know, everybody after or before, it's like it did the power just corrupted him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That that's I, the that's the problem. I yeah. would uh, I would observe a couple things as a former lobbyist. Although, hey, anybody out there wants to hire me, I'm available. <laughs> but uh, you could go to the state board and there there was monthly opportunities for the public to step up to the mic and talk to the, I think it was something like 26 members, something like that. Uh, it, you know, it's a very large state board of education. And uh, as, as I mentioned, uh, partially elected, uh, you know, on the ballot statewide and partially appointed by whoever is the sitting governor. But the public had an opportunity to come before the state board, complain or praise or 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 urge some particular policy. Um, that'll be gone now because the state board's just going to do licensure and talk about, you know, it, it, I mean, their powers are diminished to to basically some rudimentary things. So that's not, you know, there's not going to be a way to address and redress uh, education policy in Ohio unless you make an appointment with the new director of the Department of Education. Good luck getting uh, FaceTime with him or her. Number two, obviously, the the winds of political change uh, in what policy will be in effect will come and go every time an elect a governor is elected. Uh, it, you know, it, it, like Mitch McConnell said to uh, to Chuck Schumer when they were uh, when they were doing an end run on appointments. Um, you know, one day we'll be in power and you'll regret uh, that you changed the rules. Or that was Harry Reid, excuse me, not Schumer. And and sure enough. So right now, Governor DeWine's going to have this vast power over education policy. But then when he loses, excuse me, when he's no longer in office, if the other party becomes governor, they're just going to completely flip. And 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 what we're going to have is policy being whipsawed back and forth in, in huge, gigantic uh, ways, depending on the, the winds of politics, rather than a, a widely elected, uh, partially appointed state board that would kind of tamp down the uh, excesses, if you want to, if you want to look at it that way. Mm-hmm. So I, I fear for, pol- I mean, I just policy will become like it is at uh, currently in D.C. with uh, the Department of Labor or Transportation or the EPA or any other thing depending on whether the president is liberal or conservative. So, you know, put on your seatbelts, Ohioans. You're in for a ride, I think. Yeah, and the kids are going to be the ones that get hurt the most. That's the thing. Yeah, well, well, you won't know what policies are going to be in effect in in five or six years. You you know, uh, principals and local school boards will be kind of like, well, depending on who gets elected, we may or may not be able to. Well, the unions, nor I mean, like think of all the the fertile ground for corruption here with all of it. And then, you know, who's going to dictate policy on and how's it going to happen and where's the money going to change hands? It's not going to be directly to be indirectly. And, you know, it's going to be, uh, everybody, like you, like you said, Brett, it's, it's the kids are going to suffer and the parents who are trying to raise their kids in, in, in a public education system are going to suffer. I, my kids are grown. 
just about out of school, I would not put them in public school these days. I, I just wouldn't do it. I, I would avoid it. Um, yeah. And I'm, I've, I've watched it change even in the last decade or uh, decade and a half. I've watched it sort and, of decline. And it's, it's top down. I mean, teachers, I think, are still trying to do the best that they can. Yep. I, I, that their boots on the ground where it's the administration. I mean, you've got you've got school systems that the administration's larger than the teacher body. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. No, it's it, it well, it's like everything, you know, the power is going to just sort of go to where it, it's naturally can. And, you yeah. know, the more the more czars you you put in place yeah. that can grab the power up top, they're going to take it. And why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? It's given to you them. Know, oh, and, and, platter. And, yeah. and, and you're talking about entitlements, Norm. I mean. Look, now we've created yet a whole other structure, a whole other set of employees, a whole other government department, yeah. uh, or expanded the one that we had into in, to the point where now it's got to sustain itself. So where's the, where do those dollars come from? And you know, uh, when people talk about shutting down the government, like we there's more people working for the I think uh, Bernie was talking about this too. Mm-hmm. The number of people working for the government now it's 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 almost staggering. It's almost staggering. Yep. Yeah. Right, it I'll, is. I'll shut up about it. Mm. Well, I, I I think you're I think you're right in terms of uh, the single greatest employer in the country and the one that is adding jobs to the the greatest extent is the federal government. So I think you're right. Yeah. Um, voucher program. This is another epic thing in the education policy area. So Ohio used to have some experimental voucher programs, such as in Cleveland. For example, uh, I mean, I'm going back 30, 40 years, and it was limited to uh, indigent uh, families, and it was limited to just a, a few school districts as a pilot project. Under the budget bill, it is expanded now to virtually every single family in Ohio. And of course, the three of us missed out on all this. <laughs> so, you know, here we go. It's almost like um, debt forgiveness. Uh, so w- my family, I, I, we, my wife and I, we sent our sons to private school at great expense. I mean, we're talking eight to $12,000 per child per year to put them into parochial school. And, on, and, and, and we didn't get, obviously, any discount on our uh ohio and local taxes we had to pay that just as if they were going to public school and i support public schools but we made the choice at any rate this voucher program now would allow parents uh who who, household income of under one hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars, which is 450 percent of the um poverty level uh the federal poverty level uh, is $135,000 a, a year times 4.5. Um, you will get $8,400 per student in high school, and you'll get $6,200 for each child you have going to an elementary school. And you can spend that voucher on private schools and charter schools. Um, and this is I believe going to kick in in 2024 um, is when it's it's going to take off. Perhaps I, I don't know. I don't know all the ins and outs. Maybe this coming school year, but I'll bet it's 2024 because they got to set up this infrastructure. But I mean, wow. So you know, you got two kids in Catholic high school, for example, or a Jewish high school, or whatever high school, or Columbus Academy. 
um, that's uh, $17,000 you'll get to spend instead of coming out of your checking account, you'll get a voucher from the state of Ohio for that amount, which is, uh, you know, if it's two kids, $8,400 per kid, that's, that's huge. So um, yeah, that's a bit of a game changer. That's a game changer, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And that's what Thomas Sowell and several uh, marketplace economists, uh, the Milton Friedman School, they've been proposing this stuff for yeah. half a century. Yeah. Well, and, the, and, and, you, know, and, and you know, if you look at uh, look over at the Scandinavian countries too, like and see what what their success is, like they, I think they have a system like this too. And but I, I guess I've never understood nobody nobody on the left because the left abhors this. You know, they, they hate it. And I've never really gotten a good argument against it. I, I don't know why. I mean, I, and maybe I'm just missing something obvious. I'd love to hear somebody's position on it, but it seems you're to not. me you're the, not. It's a, as as Sowell says, public education without alternatives is a monopoly. It would be as if Ohio citizens were being told there's only one grocery store you can go to, and that's it. You you can't go to Giant Eagle or Kroger or Winn-Dixie or A&P. No, you've got to go to the state grocery store and that's the only alternative you have. Well, so, uh, and, and the only thing I can think is that they want top-down control over the curriculum. You know, they being whoever whoever's opposed to it. It's like they want to, you know, there's no child left behind or whatever it is. They want to mandate the curriculum from afar. And, it, you know, you can only do that if, if you have a single system, you know, that that's the only right. way to do it. And then obviously, the if you're going to pay the teachers and you got teachers unions influencing it. But as far as like pure logic, I've never heard somebody dismantle um, the kind of system that Thomas Sowell has advocated for uh, in a way that, that was compelling to me. Isn't that the, I'm going to play devil's advocate on that, though. Isn't that a, a form of social welfare? They're giving you money. The state is giving you money. You can make up to $135,000 a year as a family, but they're going to give you money to go to another school. Well, they're giving you back your tax money so because you're not using – I mean, isn't that the theory, Norm? Is it? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So So, you're not being taxed. No, you are being taxed, but then I guess they're calling it like a a tax refund because you're using it somewhere else. Okay. So it's not giving you money to go spend on private schools. It's giving you – Refunding your tax money. You're not using the public schools, so you're refunding your tax money. I think that's the argument, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, okay. Because I didn't know the, 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 the money flow. Now I think you one. could eliminate. Uh, okay, right? You know, there, there's probably I have to think that through. There's probably a better way to do all of it, but um, well, uh, maybe I, I, you know, it just it but, hit me like that. It just seems funny because so we're going to set up an education czar, but then they're not going to really have much congruent, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, yeah. to a certain degree. Um, well, but again, edu- not knowing all the mechanisms of it. Uh, you the know. education czar will be establishing just like the state board used to. Uh, we'll be establishing um, uh, specifications and and uh, certifications for charter schools, private schools, and public schools. So, so nothing, this, will come, nothing this with comes with strings. Uh, yeah, nothing with curriculum, though. Is the czar on top of curriculum? Oh, oh absolutely. I'm sure, okay. yeah. There, oh, no, there it uh, seems uh, to be incongruent. There, there, there we have like, but I suppose the czar's in charge of curriculum. Oh, I, and, don't, I don't see any incongruity at all. Okay. Uh, the, so there's going to be standardized testing or not standardized testing. There'll be mathematics or not mathematics. Uh, okay. In other words, a curriculum other than religious curriculum 
established by the czar or previously by the state board affects students at whatever school they go to. Well, does it affect students at, at the parochial schools or the private schools? So sure well, it does. It would. Absolutely. can they cram of down course. a curriculum? How can they cram down? How can the, well, anyway, it, it is what yeah, it is. I, 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 need yeah, to, no. I need to know more about it. Yeah. yeah no, well, but, because of the yeah. standardized test, test mathematics, yeah. you've got to teach it at the private schools or they okay. won't pass. The, and you would know, well, fair enough. And so you would, indirectly you, it does. And you would know more about it because you sent your kids to private school. We didn't. I didn't. Oh, so I, I didn't okay. know. Yeah. No, no, no. I didn't know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, the teachers unions okay. fought this voucher program okay. tooth and nail. Famously in Washington, D.C., Obama, when he was president, killed the uh, voucher program for inner city, largely black parents in Washington, D.C. But yet uh, the Quaker Friends School that uh, Malia and the other daughter attended, of course, they had the money privately to spend on their education. Yep. But the 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 welfare mother and father in dc didn't they they lost their voucher program to send their kids to similar schools right it's 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 there's uh, the there's the incongruity okay if you read anybody who's interested in this and and i was blown away and i I don't even want to begin to uh to to go into all the nuance of it but thomas soul go read what he's got to say about this stuff and it's it's remarkable it just makes perfect common sense it just does and you know if you want to fix education in uh in inner city poor neighborhoods this is like the a number one way to do it give them the tools yeah 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. and don't don't condemn people living in poor neighborhoods that, that they have to go to poor schools yes uh what what thomas Sowell uh, as a child uh, was was lucky enough to know it, a family friend. So none of the people who raised him, his mother and father died when he was young and he was raised by an aunt and her two oldest daughters. And when they moved to Harlem, they they had a friend who knew the ins and outs of the New York public school system. And he was going to go to a terrible, just awful uh, inner city school. And and this friend knew that he would be allowed to go to any contiguous school district in as instead of the one that he lived in. And he said in, in his autobiography, if it wasn't for that, he it, the rest of his life would have been completely different. Mm-hmm. So you got to give people school choice and schools. Schools have to rise and fall based on whether or not they can survive in the open marketplace and that's right a- so if you've yeah. got a crappy inner city school and right and it sucks then yeah. it's either going to change or die that's right but right now kids are forced to go there and it survives crappy because it's a monopoly yeah it's a monopoly so mm-hmm. there, there's yeah. okay. and and how people don't I, i've never understood the argument against it other than money power <laughs> and 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 right you know, money, well and, money, and that's the root control. that's usually the root of it anyway yeah, i mean power, you know, what, right? figure it out where it's coming from that yeah, like, what's yeah. best for the kids is it that i mean is it is it is yeah. it, it yeah. And, and again it's like some some czar and, and maybe this czar isn't a czar as much as it's like uh they're, they're trying to limit the power but yeah. the the idea that some czar can fix the crappy inner school crappy inner city school on his or her own is just a it's a farce it's a farce. Yeah. They're not going to just fix it. I mean, and if you give them that much power to, quote, fix it, then what, where's that power going to be wielded elsewhere? So the only way to do it is to let the market fix it. Well, and, and the argument, I, I look at it as if you're going to fix a school, it's got to be coming from the parent level. Yes. Right. right. And, and we, no politician ever touches that. 
Yeah. They just don't. They want to fix it from top down. Well, it's never that community needs to build up a school. You know, the best schools have great parent organizations. It, it parents get involved community. with the It's yes. community. And, and we never well, touch that. Politicians never Bernie, touch that. You know, Bernie touched on he, he, something Bernie said last week when we were talking to him sort of blew me away. And and that was when he was talking. I think it was was it Akron? What was the school that he was giving money and oh, scholarships to? Uh, Cleveland State, right? Was no. it Cleveland State or well, uh, yes, yeah, Cleveland I, State and yeah. also uh, the um, the uh, vocational yes. uh, two year college? Yeah. yeah. And and with and I'm not sneezing at a hundred grand a year for five years. That's a lot of money. But like when you hear the billions and millions that people pour into these things, like he made differences. With a little bit of money, and, and it came from the private sector, right? It came from it came from him, and and he didn't create like a huge uh, structural department of administrative crap in order to right. do it, right? He he did right. it at a grassroots level, and if you the problem is when the government creates these huge institutions uh, that are quote in control of it, then guys like Bernie uh, are become rarer and rarer because you know they can't control anything, they can't influence anything, they can't. Why would they give their dollars there? Well, they may because not the be government's al- doing it. They may not even be allowed to do what he did, and, and they wouldn't, right? Because somebody else is in control. It, when it becomes successful, it's like ah, uh, you gotta stop that, right? Sometimes, right. sometimes well, because you're pissing in the power structure, right? Yeah, right, exactly. Um, right. I think we beat that horse. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, tellingly, uh, Walter Williams, who's a, another economist and a, and a, and a died recently, know, like, right? Died last year, I think. Yeah, he he wrote. Uh, you know, uh, he was very uh, uh, he was very widely written. His columns appeared, you know, uh, in syndication. He uh, famously said, "You know, you can you can up the per pupil spending." You know, government can can spend. I think Washington D.C., for example, has some of the worst outcomes, but spends the most per pupil. And what what Walter Williams said is, money is not the solution because you can look at uh, you can look at rural districts in Iowa, and and those students score in the top five percent of the country, and they spend the least amount per pupil. So his point was, you y- yeah, fine, spend the money. But somebody has to get that child out of bed, feed them breakfast, compel them to do their studying, uh, you know, has to has to stress the importance of them behaving at school and not becoming a disciplinary problem. And unless you have that, you could spend all the money in the world and it's not going to result in a better educated child. Well, this is this is the, you know, this is the Marxists are going to push back on this because the idea of Marxism is that you don't have your kids. They're they're the they're the the, the big brothers kids, you know, they're the government kids. Yeah, there kids. are children. Right? And that, you know, Biden famously or maybe infamously gave us this nonsense a, a couple of months ago where he said these are all our children. So you're America's children and you know it's a complete utter uh yeah. destruction of of what you're talking about norm so it, you know the the government the idea that the government is going to educate your kids and fix your kids um just send them off to some public school is is nonsense unless you send jackboots on the ground to to escort your other or escort all the kids to school it's like what how can the government supplant or take over as a parent in a home it can't do it and no and, and, and instead it wants to create like a you know this is this is the hitler youth you know this is what it is this is a a marxist uh path to hell because we have to do it at the home level at the schools and even the kennedys used to say you know they were educated at the dinner table 
uh, not in, in the schools. You know, that's the schools are an extension of what happens at the home, or at least that's the idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in the budget bill, there are some really exciting tax things that they did. So you will recall that the Senate wanted to reduce the four brackets for the Ohio income tax down to two. That made it into the budget bill. So we have a much simpler uh, income tax system. They also raised to $26,000 the amount where you don't have to pay any uh, state income tax. So for low-income families or individuals who make 26000 or under, that's exempt, the first $26,000. Um, and I like this. They also have barred city or municipal income tax for minors. So I like that because if minors get a job, you know, washing dishes or working at Amazon or whatever they're doing, mowing grass or whatever, okay, if they make over 26000 they got to start paying state income tax. But until they become adults, they don't pay any city of Columbus or Cleveland or any other municipal income tax. We're going to let kids keep more of that minimum wage dollar or whatever they're earning. And I think that's a smart thing. Yeah. Um, I, and look, and, and if anything, they can make the tax system simpler. So that That's a dumb, that's not the right way to say it because that presumes that it's already simple. Yeah. That can, that can uh, push it in and to make it simpler uh, is, is good for me. And, you know, every now and then you get these, I, I see these envelopes that come and they say Rita and I always call my accountant and I say, boy, Rita's a real bitch, isn't she? <laughs> you know, it's like, what is this? Exactly. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I've been fighting, also, I've, been, I've been fighting Rita for two years because I wasn't supposed to be billed right. from Rita. <laughs> right. She's my, a previ- my previous accountant got a hold of her and apparently Rita wants her money. Is like, I don't, I don't owe you Rita. Yeah. And it's really hard oh, to get right. out from Rita's thumb. Yeah. Really no, they just, you just keep, Rita keeps sending you letters. She keeps sending me, she keeps sending right. me letters. Letters. And, and she's <laughs> not the Beatles meter maid. No, no, she, she is not lovely not, at all. Not lovely no, no, at all. No, no. She's much more vicious. <laughs> the uh, the tax uh, the the budget bill also pretty much eliminated the commercial activities tax for businesses, and I'm sure that's to lure more business to Ohio, which is now suddenly a hot spot for expansion of businesses. Um, they also. Uh, eliminated sales tax on anything to do. Well, I shouldn't say anything because we'll find out what it really means, but baby products. So, you know, car seats, uh, blankets, nursery, uh, you know, uh, feeding uh, things and anything to do with babies. Uh, And that fits in with Governor DeWine. You know, I got a lot of issues with him, but he, he, his general philosophy is pro-life uh, pro uh, parenting, and uh, this reflects his personal philosophy. I think it's a good thing uh, it, it, to to exempt uh, things involving you know child care uh, from sales tax. So that'll help indigent uh, families again a little bit more because a sales tax is the most regressive kind of tax. Those are the people that can, that can least afford to pay that sales tax. Yeah, so, so yeah. these people that complain about tax the rich, you know what, <laughs> and, and they advocate for a sales tax. It it just is. Uh, it's so. Yeah. It, it, none of it makes any logical sense. It, it's just no. like one off. We're going to do what's right in front of us because it sounds good, and right. that's that. But yeah. you know, well, maybe we'll eventually yeah. get into you know the the, the the state will take a look at reducing the 
the gas tax, since it makes sense to take that off too, maybe. Yeah, yeah like, like a lot of a tax. lot of states did that, Brett. You know, You're right? I mean, yeah. we could do it on baby products. Maybe we can look at somebody that's earning. I don't. I don't. I don't know. You track that, or you just do a blanket going. You know what? The first ten gallons are on us. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, mean, I don't know. I, I think well, just I let the market control it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but right, especially you know if 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 they're really going to implement these tattletale uh, GPS locating things, and they're going to be in every vehicle like they're in trucks right now to allocate um, uh, fuel taxes. It doesn't make any sense to collect it at the pump anymore if they're going to start tracking us because the electric guys, uh, they're not paying anything. Right. You know, right. I mean, you know, they pay a little bit more when they register for a license plate uh, than the gas cars. Yeah, but man. other than that, they, they pay no use tax. What's like, their what's the weight? Like take an average sedan, Norm. Do you know the answer to this? Like what's the weight of an average sedan electric versus gasoline engine? Well, it's gigantic. The difference in weight is 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 unbelievable. Like a Prius, a, a gasoline powered vehicle, um, solely like a Ford uh, Focus or Fiesta when they were still making them, versus a an EV is uh, it's at least another fifty percent in in uh, weight. The new GMC and the new Hummer. Those those pickup trucks are going to weigh, or SUVs, they're going to weigh over five tons as electric. So which is as, as electric yes. as electric. Right. So isn't it true? I mean, I was always sort of of the understanding that the road, the like the the wear and tear on the roads is is largely uh, proportion or related to uh, the weight of the vehicles on the road. So if you have a heavier big car, time. you do it like the, the the big rigs carrying more weight yep. are going yep. to cause more damage to the roads. No question. So and it, the bridges, yeah, and, and the bridges. So it's like it seems so insane to me that we're going to take the heaviest vehicles on the road and not make them pay any tax. Yeah, it's crazy. By, by so, gasoline, right, yeah. right. Because yeah, so gas- it kind of supports it supports what Brett is saying. The yeah. state and even the federal fuel tax. If you combine them, it's it's approaching like twenty cents yeah. on every gallon. So and it's it, it's crazy. What do they do then if if they had it their way and they waved their governmental magic wand and got rid of every every single internal combustion gasoline engine, and now we only have uh, EVs? Who's paying right. to fix the roads? And you don't hear that discussion. That's a really good point. Yeah. Well, here here it is. Here it is. So 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 this is so for commercial vehicles, guys. What they do is they install a device. A, a satellite nav device and and they there is a 50 state um uh tax distribution agency in the federal government and depending on where you run that truck it tells that agency oh that truck last year did 1500 miles in idaho it did uh 20,000 in Oregon and it did 30,000 in Washington state and then it allocates the fuel taxes to those three states and and bills that company for those fuel taxes hmm. so it 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 you know they're paying at the pump and and it's collected federally and then it disperses that money based on how how many miles you rolled in which state and what that state's fuel tax is so it distributes the money after the, after it's collected federally so here's the thing though 
That is right. That's a telltale device. And what they want, Magic One, Steve, since you asked, they want to do that same technology, right, in your uh, Dodge pickup truck. They want to install a nanny device that will tell them, oh, Steve went to Kentucky for this amount of miles, Indiana for that, Ohio for that, and then disperse the tax money, uh, whatever that rate's going to be, to those states and 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 you'll have to pay for it with as an electric vehicle owner we have those nanny devices in our cars already our cell phones yeah if you think about it if you enable that yes for sure and if you don't enable and they want to get to they can still get some location they got it they got it yeah that's coming and you know it makes some logical all. sense. I just hate the government having total control over where I or total knowledge of, of where I am. I don't like Big Brother. I think we need to move into that very slowly. Yeah, we need to move into that. <laughs> I agree because very you know, slowly. it's gonna it's gonna be used in divorce cases, it's gonna be used in criminal yeah. cases. Yeah. Oh my I mean, god. So the, the the IRS, when a businessman writes off his miles, and you know, the IRS will want that information also to verify that this guy really did use that vehicle. It, yeah. for this amount of miles when he gets his per mile deduction yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no it's scary stuff that, that, that's like and you know you can say it's all for a good purpose but until it's not and they start right, using yeah. it for purposes that aren't so altruistic and you know do you really want the government spying on where you are you know right. and, and you know this i get into this all the time well you know there's other european countries that sort of would assume that this is the right way to go but we're just a little bit different here, right? We, we, well, we like our privacy, and we don't like Big Brother in our business. And, the, and these, ele- you know, the electric cars have to be charged up somewhere. So why isn't that charger right there being taxed? I don't care if it's in their home, or if it's at, well, or, I, or at Coles, you know, yeah. wherever you know you can go to different places. I don't and know charge that it up. is or is it is it not? Does it does it know. cost to charge your car? If I pull over a car and I got an EV and I, I'm going to charge it, does it? You know, I can just see a bunch of dudes sitting around smoking cigarettes, drinking, and saying, "All right, let's." Uh, I, I'm waiting on my car to but charge. Isn't that the terminals the place to do it? Yeah, well, just you, like you getting know. gas, and and so if you charge at home, it's a different charger but at that home. And doesn't you get... create the impression that it's that it's uh, good, right? You know, right. Like if, just, you, if the if the owner of the EV yeah. had to actually pay more, right? Uh, there's no EV but, owner, but right? it does it does simplify the GPS. G- g- tracking yeah it would it would be a, a replacement for that yeah for sure. yeah, yeah you know yeah but anyway. i mean look i i, I hate all of it yeah but then brett you're going to have the so so it would be like uh pumping uh you know 300 gallons into a commercial truck in ohio but then he goes across the border from yeah. cincinnati right into kentucky and he does most of his miles in kentucky kentucky would be saying well hey you're wearing down our roads and bridges we want your if you're going to run 95 percent of your miles but fill up in ohio we want 95 percent of that fuel tax yeah that makes sense if you charge up in ohio charge up in ohio and you drive in kentucky with your electric car okay that's true didn't think about that yeah, that's that. that's the argument. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, look, it's it's a it's a classic. Okay. I mean, on the one hand, you can you can easily put together a logical argument mm-hmm. in favor of this, right? It's a, so you're going to tax those who use it the most. Now, on the other hand, it might be oversimplified. If I'm trying to think of counter arguments, it's like, all right, well, what about the person who is buying goods and services that are then um transported on those roads? Uh so they're using the roads, but they're not the ones behind the wheel. 
and you're taxing the ones behind the wheel. So that's, I guess that'll drive up prices for everybody because it, it's not like it's not like mm-hmm. they're, the the commercial people are just going to pay the tax and say, oh, I guess I make less money this year. <laughs> you know, they're going to they're going to pay the tax and charge you more. Right, so you know. if you think at home that oh, I'm safe from this, and you're getting ten Amazon deliveries a, a week, you know, it's like you're going to pay more. Like that, it, this is another sort of Thomas Sowell uh, revelation. It's like there's. It's never in a vacuum. You know, there's always a, a consequence to this stuff. So right. if you're going right. to increase the cost of truck drivers using the roads and make them pay more because they're using the roads more, well, guess what? They're using the roads to transport the things that you want and need. So you're going to pay more. You know, it's like it doesn't just happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Well, your man, Thomas Sowell, also said there are no perfect solutions, only trade-offs. Yes. Well, he's, got, it's, he's an economist. <laughs> he's an economist. <laughs> so a uh, couple of, you know, four more things, and these are smaller things, but, um, uh, you know, they're interesting. Uh, $10 million bucks were allocated in the budget to encourage kids of elementary age and high school to walk and bike to school. And that, I don't know why we need to spend money to, to do that, but there's 10 million bucks. Um, I guess in a $86 billion budget, 10 million bucks doesn't look like real well, money. Repeat that again. It is $10 million for what purpose? Yeah. To, to, it is to promote. So this is a marketing you know, campaign, a public oh service announcement God. effort to encourage million. children to walk and to bike to school, which of course, parent, you know, these days you probably get arrested if you let your kid walk to school because that's probably endangering your child, you know. Well, I got a way that would just save it. Just don't send buses out. <laughs> right. So you would you would spend less and get the same and result. That's where my mind was going. You stop right. you stop the bus routes from from right. a one mile square area or right. something like that from around the school. So it costs nothing. And it's a, it's a net gain instead so of a net loss. And we just fixed it. Let's get the ten million into, the, right. into the studio here. So if, yeah. you, if you want some Come suggestions on. how to spend ten million dollars, please give us a call here at Common yeah. Sense Ohio. We can yeah, help. Please. And I'll start with right. refunding my tax dollars. Yeah. Well, how about how about supporting impoverished podcasts? All right. There yes. you go. <laughs> yes. Well, look. I know I got a better idea. We are going to be champions. I believe oh, that it is awesome. Kids ought to walk to school. Kids need to kids need to ride their bicycles to school, to the ice cream shop after school, uh, to go run errands for their parents, and they should walk everywhere. So w- that that announcement is now worth how much, Norm? Because if they're and, allocating and marketing dollars, least, I mean, we can at least get our piece of it. grand right there. Right. Exactly. Right. So that's um, our public service announcement. Geez. Another little bullet here, and I, I just don't know what to think of this. So the three of us are self-employed, and- and this is real common sense stuff. And I, I don't understand all of the gratuities going to state employees, but this one is shocking to me. And maybe I'm just out of touch, but you and I won't get any benefit like this because we would have to self-fund this. But under the budget bill, state employees now will go from one month of of eligible maternity leave, whether it's the man or the woman or some undefined non-binary. But, you know, if you're a parent, now I don't know if a sperm donor counts as a parent, but if you're a parent and you're a state employee and you have a child, it's currently one month of leave you can take, four weeks, at 70% of your salary. This bill expands it to three months. So if you if you have a baby, the husband and the wife, if they both work for the state, 
can take one quarter of the year off. Well, see what's insane about that is we're freaking paying for that. Yeah. It's not the government paying for it. That's me. That's me not taking any time off. You know how many days I've had off in the last year? Like Unbelievable. Like maybe maybe none. Well, I thought yeah, there was I thought there was federal law for leave. Well, Isn't it? Well, this is state this yeah. is, this is state, state, employee, state workers. So so state workers really are not under the federal scope for the This is state leave. workers are getting three months of leave. Three months. That's like well, a Brett, quarter. Who the hell Brett, advocated if, that? Brett, if you were if well, I'm sure this is a sop to the state. And they're getting paid. I, I hate to interrupt you, but they're getting paid for that? Yeah, seventy percent. Unbelievable. Wow. So so Brett, oh okay. okay. You know, I, I'm just I trying to figure it out. That's all. When when you and your wife had your children and you know, or or, or me, if you know, Circle Two Seventy or or Team Blitz, our mm-hmm. two companies, if we wanted to give ourselves four weeks off, right? That came out of our checking account. Right. I mean, you know, so we didn't do it. Just like like Steve said, he doesn't take days off because the only guy who, you know, the the the, the poor guy who's gonna have to pay for that is himself. So self-employed people, when they pass these parental leave laws like in DC, it's not as if you and I could take four mm, weeks no, off or none. Right. 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 Yeah, right. Exactly. No. And they're like, compels- say, well, go work for the state. It's like, you know. Who's gonna, then who's going to do what I do? It's like, this is what we're talking about. This is, well, this is, we're back to the entire, like, this is socialism. This is like, we have, it's almost upside down to the point where you can't fix it. Because that position, that, that position, that person that leaves for three months, 70%, still at 70% of his income or her income, they bring somebody in to sit in for that position for three months and pay, may not, uh, maybe, not, maybe at least double. Yeah, it's, may it's, not be as equal as that person because of longevity of you know that's right. Thing and somebody's got to do that job, or that somebody job isn't has, necessary. Either way, it's a it's a farce. Good point. Nobody comes in because it's not necessary. Right, right. They can well, sit on it for three months. Famously, Pete Buttigieg, right? <gasps> that's I mean, such he a took, good point you just made. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Norm. Yeah, he took a month off. He's Secretary of Transportation. Took a month off, and meanwhile. Uh, you know, things go on like East Liverpool or whatever, you know, if, or East, East Palestine, excuse me. If a, you know, th- things happen. Uh, airports shut down, uh, you know, planes crash, trains derail. And our secretary of transportation says, hey, me and my partner had a baby. I took a month off. Yeah, Are you kidding? And, and you shouldn't criticize. Like if your job is is such that whatever you do, it doesn't matter if you don't do it for three months. It, it, it's exactly. I mean, the, the month I can live with. I mean, I mean, obviously we have been living with a month. I I get that, but three months. I, I don't even get the month. I mean, I don't even get the month. And the reason I don't, I don't get it's the already month there. Either, so I'll because accept on a private it. right, we're stuck with it. Yeah. But on a private level, my like, God, I can't take a month. Off. I didn't take a month off when I had my kids. No, you know, when my kids were born, there was not a month off. Like no. nothing. It was like I took time away, but it was like I would. All right. I can't come in now, but I'll be in later today or I'll be in this. Like, you know, you juggle and get a, your work done a quarter of the year. Plus all the federal and federal holidays they get already. Right. A quarter of the year. If you have a kid, you take a quarter of the year off. And it's, you know, unless you in the private, there's a reason in the private sector that doesn't happen. And it's because it doesn't work financially. And if no. it, it would work financially if the supply and demand of the economy 
dictated it, but it doesn't. You know, it's like I don't have it. Like if somebody came to me and said, look, I, I'll work for you, Steve, but I need a month off every time I have a kid and I plan on having three kids or I need three, a whole quarter off, I'd be like, no, then no thanks. The only way to make this you know, fair no for self the only the only way to make this fair for self-employed people or for people who work for a business under the threshold where they don't get the federal mandated leave would be if we could claw back the cost of taking a month off from our taxes. Right. You know, well, like or, give, or something with uh childcare. Yeah. Yeah, give me a credit. Yeah, you know, they won't a, do that. A bigger no, than what it already is. Do. Yeah, no. versus going through HSA so, or uh, another account, you have to dump money into, and it's it's tax free, quote unquote, I'll which tell, is crap. Right. I'll tell this story, and I'm not going to mention names, but I, I meant I, I ran into somebody I knew who worked for the government in a legal capacity, and this individual was sort of encouraging me to apply for such a job. And anybody who knows me knows I'm not ever going to do that. But it, <laughs> it's it's like, uh, and no. this person was saying, "Man, it's awesome!" You know, I, I work at home and I and I got this device. And he named the device. And I don't remember. I don't know what it was called. But the device was a mouse pad designed to jiggle the mouse every like ten minutes, so your, wow. your laptop wouldn't fall asleep. And you know, this person was watching Netflix, doing laundry, or you know, screwing off or whatever, and bragging about it. And that's what government employment has become, you know, and, I, and I'm thinking to myself, well, if we could use like 10 or even 20 percent fewer of those people, like think how much more efficient it would be. And, you know, that was a that was a hundred and fifty thousand dollar job. Yeah. Um, plus all these benefits and not working anyway. So, Steve, one of the things in the budget bill is right on that target. The the legislature sent to Governor DeWine and he vetoed this, was a requirement that state workers post-COVID now need to come back and be in person. And he vetoed that. And what the, what the particular language was is that at least four days a week, the state employee had to come back into the office. They could still work one day out of the week uh, from home. But DeWine vetoed that. So we're going to have full-time state employees working out of their house. Doing nothing. Well, yeah. I mean, if if you can get a mouse to jiggle itself, and, and all they know is you're reviewing unemployment compensation cases. Right. And maybe you're not doing that. You're, you know, you're uh, gambling. Look, or, I, I, you're, I would have less concern over this if the salaries were low. But they're not. They're you know, not. They're getting paid a crap ton of money to do nothing. Yeah. And, you know, it almost makes me, you know, at what point do we just, you know, we got three self-employed people here. At what point do you say, if you can't beat them, join them? You know, it's like, I'll, I said I would never do it. But look, if I'm starting to think, if I could work at home <laughs> half time with a mouse jiggler. And get three months off every get three months off year. Every year. I could almost keep my current so, job and, and do that. Yeah. I, 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 could, I could do that. And, you would, and people would say, well, that's fraud. You can't do that. It's like, yeah, but that's what they're freaking doing, people. Yeah. It not everybody, happening. not everybody, but no, you know, like to the, to the extent nobody is auditing this, it is happening. I've it's represented happening. others. I've represented an attorney who was, um, you know, unfortunately not had an alcohol addiction, other problems and, you know, went through life as a government worker, not working for, for years and nobody knew, you know, just nobody really knew. And it, it just is uh, making well over six figures. It is gross. And, yeah. you know, I, 
The more I talk about, it, the more I we got to move on. It's going to piss me off. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> I, that, uh, yeah. Couple, couple last, uh, <laughs> couple last quick vetoes. Uh, Dewine vetoed the measure in the budget bill that was going to um, outlaw or ban local government uh, regulation of tobacco and vapes having to do with, uh, you know, the products themselves, uh, whether they're flavored or menthol or unflavored and all that stuff like Columbus did, uh, the budget bill was going to get rid of local governments being able to regulate uh, tobacco and, and vaping. And DeWine, who wanted a statewide ban on flavored uh, products, uh, he vetoed that measure. So he, he he allowed Columbus and the other cities that want to do that uh, to micromanage vaping and tobacco uh, use. So that 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 is, um, you know, that that hits a lot of small business people, uh, you know, terribly. And it, and it's also, uh, of course, it's it's like that Bloom, Bloomberg thing in New York with salt and big gulps and all that other stuff. Yeah. It just, you know, we're micromanaging people's lifestyles, and it doesn't seem like uh, a very Republican thing to do for Governor DeWine. I, I guess I would rather be regulated on a local level than a state level. Yeah, I, 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 I think. I think. Given two alternatives, I'm with you. I, I, I don't think the Fed, because look. I don't know why DeWine vetoed this. I'd have to give this some thought because, you know, that doesn't happen yeah. in a vacuum. So he, he vetoed the what a law. The state's authority to That rule. would have basically <laughs> yeah. preempted the field for the state That's of right. Ohio. Yeah. And by preempt the field, that means Ohio has sole exclusive jurisdiction and, and authority to regulate right. uh, tobacco and flavored tobacco. And we're right. now not going to, and he vetoed that. That seems like power that he would want to have. And so I, I don't know what was at play, why that well, was. Well, he Maybe could not really get his lobbyist. way. So, Steve, I think the explanation is he could not get legislation passed that would allow a, he could, he wanted a ban on menthol yeah. and, and, and flavors. And he couldn't and get he, it at the state level. He could not get that law through. Now, the state, the Speaker of the House, said that they're going to try to override his veto on this so that they're not done yet. I think the Republicans in the House are going to attempt to reverse this veto by, uh, you know, three quarters of a of, uh, of a vote. They'll be able to override DeWine's yeah. uh, veto. So, well, I wonder, you know, I, I, I've got a problem with this, sort of like you said, like w when New York was trying to regulate the big gulp and, you know, you can have so yeah. much sugar and so much fat and so much bad, right. so much calories. You know, I, you wonder uh, what do the Republicans want to do with it and where's their bread getting buttered? Um, because if, you know, on the on the one hand, I can see what you're saying, Norm, is like De De DeWine vetoed this because his goal, you're saying, was to ban such things at the state That's level, right. but he didn't have the votes to ban it. So, right. so let the cities let, ban the, it. let the cities do it. Exactly. I, you know, I, I I like that outcome, I suppose, but I still question the flow of money and power and where it all came from and how it's happening because, you know, big tobacco has a hand in this, uh, and, and an interest in it. So Some, somewhere, he, yeah, somewhere. Well, they definitely they definitely do. I guess I just come down on the liberty side that if it's legal to have assisted suicide in Ohio. 
I mean, and it's legal to have abortions. So, so you know, we we have actively sanctioned killing in this state. Yeah. Um, we still have a death penalty. If you can do all, if you can have ultimate control over somebody's life and death, then why don't you allow people to decide whether they're going to smoke or not smoke and what flavor it is? Well, get rid of wine coolers, right? Because it, yeah. when, when teenagers start drinking, you know, it's the, I, it, I used to call their wine coolers when I was a kid. Now it's yeah. like the malt drinks or the, right. the red claw or uh, white claws right. or right. whatever. Get, get rid of the ones that don't taste like crap. Right. <laughs> you know, right. And, and that way kids won't use them. And there's some truth to that, right? You, you could probably make a logical it's, it's, argument. It's, it's, it's the, like, it's the sugar that, right. So nobody, yeah. how many times you hear the kids say, and you can't even taste the alcohol. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. You know, that's and, the point. And so it's like, you can't even taste the tobacco. <laughs> so let's, so let's go down the DeWine uh, mentality a little bit further and 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 look at some more of his anti-libertarian uh, vetoes. So he also vetoed a measure that was going to ban uh, universities and colleges from mandating vaccines. If you can believe this, after all that's come out about the COVID vaccines and the harmful effects because they weren't thoroughly studied. They didn't go through the normal approval process. And now we're finding cardiac issues and all manner of things to do with these vaccines. That is, you know, Fauci and the guys have to admit that it was a rush job. So DeWine vetoed. So Ohio State or any public university can still mandate that a student be vaxxed or they cannot attend class. And DeWine vetoed a ban yeah. on, on universities. DeWine is them. never going to give up such power to make that decision. And and look, the the problem is, I, I don't, you know, on the one hand, I don't have a problem with that veto because there should be a constitutional issue with a state university mandating vaccines. And I think that I, I like to think the courts will figure that out. On the other hand, to the extent the courts are not, it, it this reflects DeWine's sort of thought process that he knows best. Like he was a big brother type guy that he's, that's right. You know, yeah. we've got the tool. I remember that freaking speech. I, I almost smashed my car radio. I was sitting outside the, that's right. um, my son's music lesson and hearing him saying, we've got the tools to do this. Uh, citizens of Ohio, we did it before. And he was talking about shutting us down and not letting us go to work. And I'm like, you know what? Go F yourself. You son of a bitch, because you didn't do this. You didn't do shit. You went to work and you well, got paid. Well, it's very paternalistic. You know, he's not our father. No. He's the governor. And he's no freaking genius. What, I mean, what does he know? All, right. all, it's like, yeah. what does he know that we don't? It's like, I, I just, I, I, it's so abhorrent to me to think that he believes that he knows best for everybody. And I think he truly does believe that. And Oh, yeah. All, all, a, a lot of, a so. lot of right. other states have, have, uh, have withdrawn all these COVID powers that were handed over to, you know, governors. They've through the courts or or through legislation. A lot of states are are moving against that. And here, you know, Governor DeWine is going to allow the universities to continue to dictate what your yeah. child has to be inoculated against. Yeah, that's it's, so. It is so important insane. to me that he won't give it, up that power. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Amazing. Hmm. Now, right. Steve, I think you ought to cover, if you will, you know, I can hit the facts if you haven't heard about this case. But back on July 4th, 
there was a truck driver that was running away from the Circleville, Ohio Police Department. Yep. The state patrol got involved. He was, uh, a, he is a, a, a black young man, 23 years old, Jadarius Rose. And uh, he, he led them on a chase for a little while. Then he got on 911 and he called 911 and said, hey, I'm confused why they're even pulling me over and I fear for my life. I'm going to get out of the cab now and put my hands up, but I'm in fear of my life because all these police are following me, and I I sure as hell hope that they don't shoot me. So he told that to the 911 operator. He gets out of his truck, puts his hands up. The Ohio State Police, uh, the Ohio State Highway Patrol people on the scene told the Circleville canine unit guy, do not release your dog. They, they they coached him up and said, don't release the dog. And the guy, uh, the, the, the uh, Ryan uh, Speakman is the ex-police officer since fired from Circleville PD. He, in fact, did release the dog. The dog damn near tore the driver's arm off. And uh, now Benjamin Crump, uh, you know, who represents uh black plaintiffs against white police officers he's kind of made a specialty of that is representing jadarius rose and it's yeah. become of course racially tinged i don't know that this wouldn't have also happened with a appalachian white truck driver so i don't know what the intentions were but yeah. could you go into that a little bit yeah i mean i i don't know all the facts and some of the and not just that you didn't tell me all the facts but i would want to know a couple of things is the officer, the canine officer in charge, or the, the local Circleville guy, is he saying that he misunderstood the command out of the Ohio State Patrol? Is he saying, I thought they meant release that dog and not to not release the dog? You know, I would want to know that. And, I, and I'm sure that's a, that's, a com, or that's a public fact now. I just don't know. Um, mm-hmm. So if he did it, if he misunderstood an order and released the dog, that is different to me than him just being a than him just making a mistake and releasing the dog. The second thing I want to know is: is it racially motivated? You know, it's like I, I you know, you'd want to know that. Is it? It's I asked the same thing of Chauvin. Um, we should probably talk about that quickly too. We'll, that'll spin off this. It's like I, the first thing I texted my employee at the time was, uh, "Yeah," the, or he texted me, he said, "Did you see this?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's awful. I wonder if it was because of race." And my employee said, "I don't need to know that." It, it obviously is. And I was like, I don't, wow. You know, I, just because just because it's a white person and a, or a white cop and a black suspect doesn't mean that it's racially motivated. And it could be racially motivated intentionally. Like, I don't like black people, so I'm going to release my dog and, and make sure they get their arms ripped off. It could be that I am in cultured in a way that I just I know black people are dangerous and, you know, it could be racism showing up that way. Or it could just be what it probably is, is a dumb decision and, yeah. and, and, and bad police work, which I think is more likely than all the other things. Um, either way, it needs to be redressed in some way. And I'm sure whether this guy's black, white, Asian, or Russian, there's a lot of Russian, or at least it used to be a lot of Russian truck drivers. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's like, whatever it is, there's a civil rights problem here because if the guy, if they didn't need to release the hounds, so to speak, then um, they shouldn't have. Um, so I, you know, I think it'll, this will get, redressed in some way shape or form uh there'll be compensation to this guy i'm guessing 
uh, the case, the criminal case will go away. And then the other thing I'd want to know is why was he running and what did he know that he was being chased and followed for a traffic violation? Why didn't he stop? Mm-hmm. You know, because there's always, it's never so easy. You know, this is another Thomas Sowell thing where it's like rarely is one outcome the result of a single cause. There's almost always multi-dynamic stuff going on. And, you know, if the guy would have stopped right away um, when the when the police first encountered him, would any of this have happened in the first place? And, you know, you're going to say, well, you can't blame him for getting attacked by a dog. No, I mean, maybe you can, maybe you can't, but you can't just ignore that fact either. Um, so there's, there's always more to it. So, you know, and he's going to, maybe he's going to say, well, I'm black and I was afraid I was going to get shot if I stopped. It's like, well, all right, but come on, you know, at some point, uh, something has to give. If you're in a traffic violation and you take off running and you don't expect the police to chase you, uh, you're you're not living in a reasonable world here. Um, and it's not that police always do it right. And here, clearly, they didn't do it right. So I don't know, Norm. I, I think there's a lot of stuff going on that we would want to know. The problem is, I think, the that we're going to jump to the conclusion that, that this Circleville cop is a racist, and he might be. Um, we're going to jump to the conclusion it wouldn't have happened to a white guy, and it might have. We're going to jump to the conclusion that uh, this was an intentional act and not just m- stupidity or negligence, and it might have been. Uh, so we just, you know, the problem is the the racial undertones of this will likely impede a legitimate investigation in in, in outcome to really, really dig into these things. And I think if you really dig into these things, you might actually learn something beyond the case itself. You might actually learn, all right, well, how are we employing canines in police stop situations so across the board this stuff doesn't happen? Mm-hmm. You know, and then you wonder, Norm, would it even be on the news if this would have happened and the guy were white? You know, how many, I'd want to know, has this ever happened to a white guy who stopped um, with this same canine guy? What's his history? I think all of those things we want to know, and hopefully all of those things we will know, and hopefully if the guy's a racist, he's punished accordingly. If he's just not good at his job, um, he's not a cop anymore, he's or he's trained yet. up, and or, you know, whatever. Well, and also the training program that Circleville has. That's right. So If it's poor, then it needs to reevaluate or, itself. Or do we have a dog who is just not not well-equipped for the job? You know, I, I don't know if yeah. they... If the dog just got loose somehow by mistake because the dog wasn't obeying the commands, there's there's just so much to know that it's hard to it's hard to reach any conclusions definitively. Um, I I know this is a cosmic shift uh, to a um, to a national thing, but you being an attorney and practicing uh, in the federal system, I've got to ask you about this sneaky clause inserted uh, at the Biden. last minute uh for hunter biden yeah so i think it yeah you know, i think it was paragraph 15 famously in yeah. this diversion agreement that the judge i i guess she was reviewing it for maybe a week or two and at the last minute they added an extra paragraph and she zeroed in on that in a very ingenious kind of uh colloquy between her and uh mr hunter biden uh back and forth the judge quizzed him about this get out of jail free clause that basically said you know in this diversion on the gun crime and and the in the misdemeanor tax uh pleas that he was he would be prevented from being pursued by the federal government for anything else during uh, dependency, during this yeah. five-year period, uh, anything named 
uh, anything mentioned in the statement of facts, uh, including it included his uh, representation of uh, Burisma and the Chinese company and all of his lobbying activities. And the prosecutors told the judge, hey, we're still examining some of that. And we don't think that it's uh, that this agreement exculpates him from being prosecuted. And and Hunter's team said, oh, yes, it does. So there was no meeting of the minds and the judge scuttled this agreement. Yeah, um, there's um, there's a lot to unpack with that. Something's rotten. You know, at the outset, we should just talk about sort of how plea agreements happen. And we all do this all the time. By we all people in the criminal justice system, both at the federal, state and local levels or all three of those levels. In, in federal court, you typically have something called a plea agreement. And the plea agreement spells out the terms and conditions. And, and there's a criminal rule called 11. And there's different parts of criminal rule 11, some that would give you immunity for things, some that just say the plea agreement is what it is. And I'm not going to go into the depths of that. But um, the idea here is if I have a plea agreement with a client, I spell out and the government will spell out the terms and conditions of our agreement. We're going to say, here's what the government's agreeing to do. Here's what the defendant is agreeing to do. Sometimes it's in exchange for cooperation. Sometimes um, the defendant just agrees to plead guilty, and there is no agreement for the government to recommend any sentence. Sometimes the government's recommending a lesser sentence, or they reserve the right to recommend a lesser sentence or a departure from the sentencing guidelines. And typically that's all spelled out in writing in the plea agreement. Here they had a plea agreement, and some stuff was spelled out in writing in the plea agreement. But as part of the plea agreement, Biden Hunter was agreeing or getting maybe I'll say it this way the government was agreeing to let Hunter Biden get some sort of diversion in federal court which frankly I've never heard of or done um, look I'm not done at all but uh, on a gun case uh, in federal court I can just tell you this if if my had a client a normal client who had a gun and the gun was deposited in some trash can receptacle near a school there would be a prosecution. It wouldn't be diverted, right? It would not result in diversion. At least that's not my experience. But to, but to the extent that it, it that happened here in and of its own, that's a little bit odd. But then in the diversion agreement, they spelled out, so not the plea agreement under Rule 11 that, the, that is filed and becomes a public record. In the diversion agreement, which says like a diversion agreement would be like probation in advance, and if you do all these things, we're going to dismiss the case. Again, that doesn't happen but it did here. So in that agreement, which is not a filed public record, uh, they spell out some sort of immunity that Hunter was relying upon not to get prosecuted for other things. And, you know, the judge sort of uh, tore into this, and you wonder, I think the judge tore into this because of all the amicus or the the friends of the court filings and, and other things. Like, I know that people were sort of up in arms about this for a long time, last couple of months. Uh, so I think the judge took a careful look. But what this judge did, I think, to some extent, is at least re- maintain some integrity in the system because I've been in front of plenty of federal judges, and they have to have what's called a meaningful dialogue in order to accept a client's guilty plea. And that means they have to understand what the client understands. You know, the client's pleading guilty, waiving his or her right to have a trial to make their government prove their case, and they're acknowledging guilt and going through all this, and they're waiving constitutional rights. The government, the judge has to have a dialogue and talk to the client. And here, the judge talked to Biden and uh, really probed into what Biden's expectations of the deal were because there was enough um, con- there was enough stink around this that it seemed like 
it ought to be discussed. And, you know, it doesn't take a rocket science to discuss this because we were talking about here, I think, even at the time. It's like, well, I wonder if by pleading guilty and getting diversion on the gun case and pleading to a couple misdemeanor tax cases, there the Biden's also got an immunity agreement for all the other crap that he's done. And clearly the lawyers were sort of thinking, yeah, we'll slide this through and, and he won't be prosecuted. But then the crap hit the fan, you know, and then you've got like Jim Jordan and other people in D.C. sort of saying, what the heck is going on here? And uh, I think it sort of blew up because of that. And had it have not, had it have not, I think this would have slid through and Biden would never been prosecuted. But uh, for this other stuff now, I think that at least the light bulb is on and there's some sunshine on the problem. So, you know, kudos to the judge for for tearing into it. Uh, the the plea agreement blew up, but don't say it. Don't don't just assume that it's over and buy and Hunter Biden's going to trial. They'll they'll go back and reinvent the wheel and they'll figure it all out. And hopefully, hopefully, if if there's going to be some sort of immunity grant on all the other foreign corruption practice or whatever foreign business activity potential crimes there are, it at least gets exposed. Because to get immunity on something, just so everybody knows, you have to go tell them what you did. You know, so I can't have a client get immunity on all sorts of crimes that my client doesn't discuss with the government through some sort of proffer agreement where my client agrees to tell the truth about all his or her activities. Uh, Only then do you ever get a chance at having some immunity on using those statements against you or even transactional immunity on a prosecution, uh, which is even rarer. So, look, this whole thing is uh, it sticks out like a sore thumb and it really, really stinks. Um, this is not normal treatment. I am telling you that right now, and, and I've been practicing in federal courts for a long, long time. This is not normal treatment. It's just not. Now, I've had some sweetheart deals in federal court, but only because my client did something uh, that warranted special treatment like cooperation or the government did something that warrants special treatment like a Fourth Amendment violation. So, it, you know, it, this doesn't just happen, folks. It doesn't just happen. There is special treatment here. I'm saying it. You heard it here not first but you heard it here so great thank you um now one last thing i i I did hint about chauvin just so anybody i'm curious about this stuff because chauvin's appealing now and asking the u.s supreme court to uh, reverse his conviction based upon pretrial publicity and not moving and, and changing venue of the case i've always said that venue is such a hard thing i've never had a case that actually warranted a change of venue and there's only been a few that have actually um uh where that where that happens and you meet the standards, this might be one where that uh, the U.S. Supreme Court might do something about it. Um, when you got the the trial happening in the backyard yard where all the riots occurred and jurors actually scared, uh, saying I think in voir dire in advance of of the riots and what might happen. I don't I don't know all the facts and details, but this is one to watch. And I bring it up because you know there is the, the one of the seminal cases on this is um, old Doc Shepard from Cleveland Heights or was it uh, Lakewood, Ohio. Uh, Sam Shepard, who was prosecuted back in the day, represented by F. Lee Bailey. He was convicted. They actually made the, an entire TV series out of it called The Fugitive. And uh, the U.S. Supreme Court ended up reversing his conviction on issues like this. The, the Cleveland Plain Dealers press coverage of it was so insane that uh, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court concluded for oversimplified reasons that he didn't get a fair trial. So, look, a full circle back to Ohio. <laughs> Um, all right, Norm, with that, we probably had to wrap it up. We've pushed our limits of yeah. uh, our normal time frame. So anyway, it's commonsenseohioshow.com. For those of you who want to uh, to check out Norm's blog, Brett's blog, my blog, that doesn't exist yet, but it might. Uh, if you uh, want to ask us a question, you can do so right there. We're getting some questions coming in. If you want to be a guest, you can just uh, commonsenseohioshow.com, shoot us a note, and uh, we'd love to have you in. Uh, if you want to be a sponsor for the show, we can do that too. We've got a couple lined up, and we're going to start doing that very soon. 
Um, if you uh, if you like what you're listening to, and we think that you do, like it, subscribe to it, and share it with your neighbor. Tell them about the tell them the good news. Tell them, hey, look, there's this awesome show that makes perfect sense because it's 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 common sense Ohio. So you get it. Anyway, uh, coming at you right from the middle each and every week, at least until now.